You're listening to DraftKings Network. Don't come for me, Pens fans. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Your team won a game. We're not going to shit on that. Oh, wait. No, they No, they did no, not. They Trust they me. Did. They were being mean right. to me in my mentions. Yeah. Sorry. Actually, we're going to shit all over you today, Pittsburgh fans. You're on a tough <laughs> losing streak. Sore losers. If I've ever met any, it's Pittsburgh Penguins fans. Sorry. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by the gorgeous, the stylish, and the style-informed influencer, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? I am fabulous. Um, you can see I hashtag gifted by Adidas. My childhood is currently on me in this jersey right now. And we're going to talk a lot about the Bruins. So I'm happy about that. Amazing. For our audio only listeners, just give a quick, what are you wearing? Oh, I'm wearing the- What are you wearing? Pooh <laughs> Bear Reverse Retro from the Bruins. That is just, they wore it in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's very controversial. But that's when I grew up loving him. So- I will always love it, and I'm so glad they brought it back. Amazing, amazing. And of course, we are not too many men unless we have the creative, the Halloween costume making, and the ever-informed and, might I mention, highly in-demand radio star, the athletic Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hi. Hi. Yay. It's amazing people ever want me on radio, too. I have to be on my best behavior. It's so hard. <laughs> Zero fucks per 60, right? That's how we roll. It's, it's really tough. <laughs> well, we are happy to be back at you. Sarah and Shayna rocked it. I already have a couple tweets saying I'm not needed on the show anymore. So there you go. Uh, Bullshit. <laughs> but also wanted to give a shout out to our listener, Brian in Calgary, uh, who came over and said hi uh, last night. Awesome. Always come say hi to us. Don't be creepy. Brian was not creepy. <laughs> Brian was awesome. But always come say hi. Uh, we love to hear from you and we love to connect with you guys. Um, in person, outside the airwaves and the pod streams. Um, but let's get to it, my friends. We got a lot to go through because, uh, once again, the NHL scheduling never fails. Um, we start with Sarah's favorite segment. Sarah, what are we talking about? Bit O News. It is the Bit O News, and Sarah has already given us the teaser. She's showing it to you in the live YouTube stream. The 2023 Winter Classic logos for the Bruins and the Penguins are out. Boston is re is repping the Pooh Bear. As you can see, uh, peng the Penguins, this looks like a pit football pee to me. Um, so I'm not necessarily impressed with that. Uh, Pooh Bear is iconic and that it's super retro, loving that vibe. But Shayna, what was your reaction when you saw these logos come out earlier this week? They're fine. I guess they have to be really creative when you've been in 3,000 outdoor games. And I think Boston set the bar really high in, in the past, like the yellow retro, the gold, yellow, gold, which one? I don't know. What's it technically? But that like retro vibe they've done before, they've crushed. So I, I'm here for the Pooh Bear. I know some people don't like it, but like I don't care about your opinion. I care about mine in this case because it's better than yours. So <laughs> <laughs> and Pittsburgh's boring, but I, I'm going to wait to see what the rest of the jersey looks like. To be clear, the Pittsburgh P is, they used to be the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Penguins. So that's the, they're paying homage to that, which the Penguins history is kind of weird, but that's a little fun tidbit. I like 
both of the things. I, I like the Pooh Bear. I like the new take on it. Um, it kind of looks like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy artwork, and we need that because we're saying goodbye to Kanye, so. I, I still don't have to like the pee, though. It's not for me. You don't know. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I feel like Pittsburgh gets it right enough, too. They're allowed to have like missteps, like their reverse retros, their current homes, the current alternates, like they're all nice. So you need one shitty jersey if that's going to be the shitty one. I don't know yet. I'm just saying you're allowed to have one shitty one. What could save the jersey, Shayna? What, what around it could make it elite or top notch for you? I think stripes are super important. You know, like I, I can't stand jerseys that don't have like a stripe on the bottom and it looks awkward when like the top just flows into the pants. Like it just has to have like enough pop that it looks nice outdoors without being too obnoxious. I feel like some of the stadium series ones in particular, they've really leaned into like what will look nice outdoors with giant letters and stripes and they still just look awkward. I get the idea, but I'm like... I don't know, but the Winter Classic, we usually see simpler jerseys and more classic approaches than the Stadium Series. So I feel like this has a chance of like being a little less tacky as long as it's not bland. I'm team Pittsburgh blue, powder blue jersey. That, that would be nice. Especially That's if we get one. 100%. blue versus yellow is some sort of, like I love the color versus color matchups. Like I think the, the Red Wings Toronto one was like <laughs> the most fun, the blue versus red. And you can't have it with like black and yellow. Like, that would be a little odd. So if we get blue versus, like, yellow, that would be fun. Yeah, there's too much yellow. That's probably part of the problem. I love the Pooh Bear, and then the P is like, oh, and we're here, too, in yellow. Like, maybe that's what it is for me. I don't know. Don't come for me, Pens fans. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Your team won a game. We're not going to shit on that. Oh, wait, no. They no, they did not. not. They Trust they me. Did. They were being mean right. to me in my mentions. Yeah. Sorry, actually, we're going to shit all over you today, Pittsburgh fans. You're on a tough losing streak. <laughs> Sore losers. If I've ever met any, it's Pittsburgh Penguins fans. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of teams with some shit luck, um, the other bit of news we wanted to talk about real quickly was the Washington Capitals. And I'm going to go through these. Uh, let's see if I get them all even right. Um, starting the season, we already knew that Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson were out on uh, injured reserve. Carl Haglin went out on injured reserve. Um, Alexiev went out. Now on Halloween, TJ Oshie is now out lower body. He's out indefinitely. It was reported earlier this week that now Connor Brown is out because he is having surgery to repair a torn ACL. I believe the estimate on that is four to six months, but at the very least, it's the remainder of the 22-23 season. And now John Carlson is out. Did I miss anybody? Is there anyone left on this roster? No, there's no one left on this roster. And they really had a good offseason to handle all of the absences, right? Like Connor Brown, Dylan Strom, and even players like McMichael could step up at center. And like, they addressed everything it felt like so they were prepared. And it's like, who fucking cares what you did? It doesn't matter. Like, this is this is the worst like injury luck to start the season I can think of. And like, you know, it's not like Vegas proportions of last year because I got pretty tough at times. But the Capitals, that is that's tough. And they're not a team with like the perfect farm system where it's like, oh, someone on the Penguins got hurt. Here's a nobody that's going to be like thrown into the mix, thrown next to Sidney Crosby and be an elite scorer five minutes later. Like this is they're, they're getting stretched thin right now. Sarah, let's talk about what really matters. How does this impact Ovi's <laughs> campaign to get, to get to the top of the goal scoring leaderboards? What, I mean, what do you make of what the Capitals are going to be able to do now? I thought you were going to say, how does this affect the Leafs? I'm like, I'll find Fair. a way to connect we'll, it we'll get somehow. There. <laughs> but I think it doesn't really, like you said at the beginning of the season that you think the Caps weren't going to be good, but Ovi's still going to break the records. I don't think it matters. It's just like when you're trying to defend him in the circle, you 
You see, everybody knows that's where he's going to go. You can see it. You can predict it, but you can't prepare for it. He's still going to score. So either he's going to do it and it's going to be all credit to him or he's not going to do it. And it's not, I'm not going to like excuse him because his teammates are out. That's an interest. That's interesting because it does highlight that what he accomplishes this season is more truly in him and not his support staff. Not that I, I don't think anyone was ever saying that, but like whatever he's doing right now, because it's literally like Alexander Ovechkin and like the shooter tutor and goal. Like that's, what we're, that's where we're at. And Sam Pell at right wing. <laughs> we love Sam Pell, the best. Um, but in all seriousness, Sarah, any other thoughts on the Capitals and just like the broken season that's happening to them right now? Yeah, I mean, it creates a good story if they end up coming back and being good. It's still early in the season. I feel like for some reason this year more than other years, maybe because we had like our first normal off season in a while. It's like we're all very quick to judge. And I, I just kind of do want to slow down and say, OK, definitely wait till these the rest of the supporting crew gets back because it's not like a situation with where it's like young players it's veterans that can come back in time for playoffs so we'll see what happens all right kids as we have talked about in great strategic thoughtful planning there were 206 nhl games on tuesday and so we wanted to rapid fire go <laughs> through go through them <laughs> my brother's here i'm like can you fucking leave my house i'm recording a podcast okay he left <laughs> Amazing. All right. We wanted to now go back to the hockey and rapid fire uh, go through these games. Let's start with, um, so I was actually covering uh, the Kraken Flames game. So I was uh, catching up this morning. So I did not get to take in as much of the other games action live. I'm still catching up. But Shayna and Sarah, you both were just in love with the Boston-Pittsburgh game last night. Just rapid fire, quick thoughts, Shayna that game on a hysteria chaos level, one to 10, where does it fall? That's like a definite nine, um, especially considering the Bruins started with Olmark, then switched goalies because he was having a rough night. Swayman goes in, gets hurt, and then Olmark has to come back. It's the resilience of the Bruins is so impressive. The Penguins, like at first, it's like aging core versus aging core, and you just go, oh, wait a second. Like the Penguins are coming off a losing streak, so a lot of reasons to believe they'd win. Um, so much chaos, so much fun. They completed the comeback, everything about it. That Taylor Hall goal, like, I, I was having the best time. And it just felt like everything was stacked against the Bruins. And they were still like, nope, fuck it, we got this. <laughs> Taylor Hall was having a sort of rough game. And then all that matters is that he came back with one minute and 17 seconds left to tie it up. It was tied up in the second. And I tweeted like, hey, if you guys want to watch one of the 700 games on tonight and you don't know which one, Bruins-Pens is 2-2 in the second. And then 35 seconds later, the Penguins had scored twice. And then the Bruins came back and then they won it in overtime. And it was just, overtime like brought a tear to my eye. And it's not just because it was, I'm like, I was defending myself from not being a Bruins fan. And then I'm like waking up and putting this shirt on. But I'm like, it was such a good game of hockey. It was so entertaining. They were going back and forth in overtime and it was just the most fun I've had. I mean, other than Jeremy Swayman, but I hope as Olmark said, he'll be okay. He's from Alaska. Um, he's tough as nails, so he's going to be fine. Um, I do think that was just the most entertaining hockey game I've watched in a minute, and I was on the edge of my seat. Amazing. And I love it was national. That was like a big yeah. thing, too. How many times, like, if you want to grow the game, like some of the matchups we see on ESPN, we're like, oh. And like Boston, Pittsburgh, like maybe anyone could look at it and be like, we've seen this on national TV a thousand times, but like there's good reason for it. 
And I just think that it had everything that you could want to draw on a hockey fan. And it was nice to see A.G. Malesko on the intermissions because sometimes yes. those get a little, a little bland in the intermissions. I think she, uh, she's such a great analyst. So I think that like overall production from that standpoint too, like it went up a notch. From all of the goals to none of the goals, um, uh, Metro, pure Metro matchup, uh, the Rangers and the Flyers went to overtime and had exactly one goal scored. The Rangers are on a three-game win streak. The Flyers are making themselves part of the conversation, but take away the overtime loss. Uh, Sarah, what did you take away from this game? Carter Hart, my column. Um, He's literally, (laughs) like, dragging them to every staying in every game. I mean, I don't have any, like their offense is completely dried out and it's just Carter Hart being Carter Hart. Good for the Rangers. I mean, they need to be, they need to pull it together here. So they're getting a little streak together, Shayna. Yeah, it was uh, amazing how many posts they hit. I think Lafreniere had a couple of his own uh, and the goaltending, like it's a game, the way the Flyers have been going. It's like the Rangers of years past, they can't get any scoring, but they have amazing goaltending. So Hart deserves a lot of credit. Shesterkin wasn't so busy, but when he was tested, especially against Kevin Hayes in the third, like he was really strong. But the standout player for me was Capo Caco. Of anyone on the ice, I think he was the most noticeable. And I think even when he wasn't scoring, you just start seeing him taking over shifts. And, you know, he's on a line with Kreider and Zibanejad. So it's, he's not the star on that line, but it's that puck possession game and you could just see the way he's skating, the way he's engaged, it's everything you want to see from him. So I think that was like one of the biggest takeaways of the night. Well, that was an overtime game. We had another, well, we had two other overtime games. Let's get to one of those first. And that was out West. Well, not truly out West. One team was out <laughs> West and they won. And that was from out West. And that was Vegas at the aforementioned I don't even think we should call them the Capitals. They're like the Caps because they're not even like a full team right now because they're all broken. But um, the Knights and the Caps go to overtime. Jack Eichel works some magic with the helper on the game-winning goal. Shayna, you were a big fan of seeing the Eichel resurgence. Tell us what the lesson is from this game. Is Vegas fully, fully back, even with the questions we had around goaltending going into the season? Yeah, they're such a good team that goaltending doesn't have to be like you know, through the roof. But Logan Thompson's been really good. Aiden Hill's been really good. So I think that that, you know, they have the average goaltending at minimum that they need. But it's nice to see, like, Eichel was getting off to a nice start when he was playing with Kessel and Riley Smith, but I didn't feel like he was taking over games. So I do like the adjustment of stacking the top line. And I don't know if they stick that way. But honestly, even if they do, the fact that you have the original Misfits as your second line of Marcheseau, Smith, and Carlson is a good thing. But I just think Eichel looks dominant again. Like the last couple games, we're seeing these game-breaking plays and his puck possession game, his game in transition, his ability to pass, to shoot. It's like all the things we've talked about for so long. Like, this is what peak Jack Eichel looks like. This is what it'll look like on every single team if he gets traded to them. Like, now we're seeing it in action on a very good team, which we've never seen him on. So I'm very here for this. Sarah, are the Knights back? Yes. Yes, and I love it for Jack Eichel. I like the Jack Eichel-Bruce Cassidy connection we got here. Um, I am no longer a Knights hater, and you said you're going to call the Capitals the Caps. I'm going to call them the lower cases. (laughs) Okay, that's That's fine. That's all I got for today. (laughs) Well done, Sarah. Checks in the mail. Good job. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's swing back east. We're just going through these games in order, my friends. Um, And this was an Atlantic Division matchup. And the narrative, this is why narratives suck, my friends, because it's been funny. I've seen people saying, oh, Tampa Bay, they don't seem to be off to a good start. But like, 
They're still third in the Atlantic, and as we know, all they, that team needs to do is get in. They've won three in a row. They push the game against Ottawa to a win, and our beloved Senators, who we were all high on and thought had really made some of the best moves, lose 4-3. And again, that's a divisional matchup, so that you know those are four-point swings, not two. Sarah, were you able to take in much of this game? This was another one where the finish was just chaos. Yeah, not really. I was too focused on like the Bruins pens for sure, but it's just hate to see it for my sons. They can't take these crushing losses anymore. Matthew Joseph had a really good outfit for the game though, so I will give them that. I'm glad they're documenting him because he's definitely one of the best style rankings kings in the league. That's all I have to say about that game. Shana, what did you take in from that game? Yeah, that game was fun, and I think that Tampa Bay, like, they had that little, like, we we can look at Tampa Bay in, like, any matchup and always be like, all right, we can't count them out fully, and when they allowed a goal, Vasilevsky got caught out of his net, and Point tried to get in goal, and he's just, like, standing there so awkwardly, and they allowed a goal, I'm like, mm, it looks like the Senators have this, and Point turns around, he's like, nope. Nope, I'm scoring. This game's going to be tied back up. Uh, the Sergachev pass to Kucherov for the go-ahead goal was so gorgeous. But I love that. I kind of was like, all right, the game's over. There's no way Ottawa comes back. And it was nice that they still had some fight in them. And it was a really nice chance by Brady Kachuk at the end. And it kept your attention until the last second. Very here for that. Like, that's the kind of matchup you want to see. And the fact that Ottawa's in it to the last second's encouraging. But that definitely feels like a huge loss for them. Like, just, <laughs> just a blow, like, right there. Are, but are they, is it... Is it indicative of what this team is? Should we still be high on on the Sens? I think that there's definite upside up front. It's just that they're they're going to need like to build themselves the best leads they can because like we know that there's still some issues defensively. We know the goaltending isn't perfect either. And even when Talbot comes back and is fully healthy and ready to go, like it's still not the perfect crease. So it just feels like the Atlantic's a lot tighter than we saw it. So either way, it was going to be tough for the Senators. But I think that they're just going to have to find ways to let their offense like do the talking and hold those leads. Well, there was one more Metro team, Eastern team purely, that was playing last night, and that was the Devils. Uh, they were in Vancouver against the Canucks, and the Canucks, again, we're here for the narrative, folks. You know, the Canucks could not find a way to win a game. Then they string together two, um, and now they're, they fall again at home to the Devils, 5-2. The Devils, who, again, what was it, three games in, everyone said fire the coach, and now they seem to be, like, the real legit deal. Sarah... Is it that the Devils are just that good, or are the Canucks, in fact, bad? Allison, you missed it last episode, but the Devils are really good, analytically. I Your heard, I heard goals you. goals are crushing it. Are you proud of me? I was, I was actually so impressed. It was really, really good. Thank you. Well, Jesper Brat, Brat, I don't know why I keep like trying to call him Jesper Brat. Brat. <laughs> Jesper Brat continued his streak, and now he has like, the most points of a Devils player to start a season ever. So that is a huge factor. Um, I still want to see some better goaltending out of them, but they haven't really needed it. So this is a fun team on the rise that people might want to pay attention to and then sound smart later in the year when they were rooting for them all along. Shayna, Canucks, good or bad? Bad. It's, it's that first period, like, they were the better five-on-five five team, and the Devils have been amazing at five-on-five five and weren't, and they still were coming away with, you know, the better chances, and there were certain shifts you would just see them kind of click, like, working as a five-man unit, winning important puck battles, 
And the problem with the Canucks is the second something goes wrong, they're they're not like getting like, oh, a little hurt and bouncing back. They're completely folding. They're completely spiraling. And some of it's that they're not getting the timely saves, which we would expect to say about the Devils and can still say, honestly, when Blackwood's in net, in my opinion. But like Demko hasn't been his usual self and the team needs to uh, step it up because it, it's just like anytime something goes wrong, they just completely fall apart. Yeah, that's the worst part. It's just kind of like they have no way to handle adversity. Like, how do you fix that? Well, a team that seems to be fixing that is our next highlighted matchup. And that is the game that I was at, which was the Seattle Kraken at the Calgary Flames. And uh, this one was interesting because Calgary is having kind of a shakeup. They're not sure that they're getting the most, especially if you look at, at straight uh, box scores um, and point totals um, from Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger. Um, so they did a big line jumbly shuffle. Um, it was kind of crazy going into the game. It was an optional morning skate, so no one was sure if the new look lines that the team had shown yes the day before were going to be real or if they were going to go back to the original lines, but they did shake them up. Um, Seattle comes in. They had never beaten the Flames. They play a pretty even first, but in the second, the Flames just went balls to the wall. Um, they're so fast. They can create off the rush. Their forecheck was really impressive. And then they had a pair of response goals. The Flames did. And then to start the third period, they have another pair of response goals in 17 seconds to establish a 4-2 lead. Um, and historically, this was a game that was really hard for the Kraken to win. Um, but they battled back three straight goals, including a shorthanded goal by Yanni Gord for their first two consecutive game win streak of the season. This was a game by the numbers that the Kraken theoretically should not have won. But those are the games that are really fun because it shows that the team can pull together something that defies what you expect from them. And don't look now, kids. Uh, the Kraken are in a playoff spot. Uh, who knows how long that'll last, but uh, good for the Kraken, good for Joey Decord, who gets his first um, NHL win with Seattle, his second in his career. Um, Shayna, the Flames are kind of reeling. I did ask around a lot. It is Yahoo, not Yeeha. But are we Yahooing or Yahooing in terms of what the Flames are all about this season? How about that? They don't deserve a Yeehaw. That's what I think right now. Wow. Uh, you know what? It's, it's really, it's a weird start for them. And Jonathan Huberto has not been great at five on five. And like the good thing for Calgary is he's going on the power play. So they know like he's still there. He's still in it. Maybe it'll take some time. But that top line, they had Huberto, Toffoli, Lindholm together. They were on the ice together for zero five on five goals scored. It's not that none of them can't even score, like not even defenders when they're on the ice. And it's amazing. The first game they take Huberto out of the equation to Foley and uh, Lindholm are still together and they're on the ice for two five on five goals for. So it's like, okay, maybe they do have a good chemistry to keep them together um, and it works. But they need to find where to put Huberto. Like, they're very lucky that Kadri's doing everything. I think he looks great to start the year, and they were still shuffling things as the game went on. But they have to find a way to get Huberto to stand out in the system, and I thought the defensive structure will help, and I still think there's like it will. But they need to find a way to maximize this game of 5-on-5 five five a little bit more because it's it's a little bland right now. So no yeehaws for me. But uh, credit to Yanni Gord with that shorthanded goal because when he scored that yesterday, I was like, the Kraken have that. Like, you just, like, the vibes are different. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? I think the flames are going to fall apart. And they did. <laughs> and they did. And they did. <laughs> Sarah, yeehaw, yahoo, or another uh, exclamation of, of reaction to this game? Yeah, I do think the vibes in Seattle are different. Shayna, well said. I And I'd love for Allison to comment on that after. But I do, I'm not ready to write off the flames yet. They're still 5-3-0. Um, they could easily 
two games, two dominant games where they play well and win, and it's a completely different story. So I don't know why I'm like the most mildly taked person lately, but I like to see That's two games That's a good thing. We need that. We need Ooh. that with all the I'm the straight man. <laughs> I'm the straight man of the pod. And it's, and it's worth mentioning, listen, I am certainly not dragging the flames because um, in the Pacific Division, they have only played eight games. So they have four games in hand on uh, the two teams that have played the most, and that's L.A. and San Jose, who have played 12. Meanwhile, the Blues have played, what, three games this year? Like, a, they, and they had literally. They've been two games December, and they played 10. Like, who's to say? What are we doing? Um, but speaking of San Jose and their 12 games, uh, they did, in fact, fall in a shootout uh, last night to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Eric Carlson, resurgent this season, gets a hat trick. Um, and I was not able to catch this live, but I heard they didn't even throw hats when he scored the hat trick, which is just sad. They came later, is my understanding. But it's just yeah. sad, particularly for Eric Carlson, who I really like. Yeah. Um, but uh, good for Eric Carlson. But uh, what are we making of both the Ducks and the Sharks, because these are two teams that were expected to struggle and have been having some struggles. Sarah, what are your take on these two Western teams? I mean, the Sharks are trying to tank, and Carlson gets his first career hat trick, and he's playing outstanding. I'm never going to, like, knock a guy, especially in his older age. Older age, really, the same age. But, um, <laughs> do it going off, like, good for him, but it is kind of an interesting position they're in right now. Shayna, which team is worse? The Ducks or the Sharks? I think the Sharks are worse because they have like a messier future. Like you have aging stars. You're going to be coming up to the same question at the end of the year. What do you do with Timo Meyer? Do you extend him when it's contract passes prime when that's like the Sharks MO? Like they need to break the cycle somehow. But I'm very here for Eric Carlson because it feels like every year it's something. And last year, obviously, he had a great year and then it got cut short by injury. But I wonder if it's that it was an arm injury that he was able to keep skating and keep working on like fixing what was what went wrong, you know, the groin injury, the ankle injuries, and just have a summer of skating without any hurdles from that. Like, I feel like that has to help him because he looks healthy. He looks great. So it sucks. It's going to be in San Jose, who I don't like their future at all. Like the Ducks, they have all these promising prospects and they're being so aggressive with this process right now. Like they moved out so many players at the deadline. They're probably going to do so again. So I think the Ducks have a brighter future, but I'm really interested to see if the Sharks could do something like really bold to move out a couple veterans and bring things back and get the process going quicker. And I'd like to see Eric Carlson be a part of that process moving out because I want to see him on a good team again. Yes, we are. We are. Now, we're going to need pro EK merch now soon, Sarah, because, because oh we all, God, yes. we, we he all made the style rankings as he should. He, did. he, he exactly. needed to do this for a while, but then he just showed up in the Peaky Blinders thing last night and scored a hat trick. What a legend. We love him. <laughs> I'm on EK watch. Well, again, there were so many games. We're not actually going to hit them all. We're just going to hit the ones we want to talk about because it's our show and we get to do that. Um, but the final game we wanted to talk about was, of course, uh, Connor McDavid um, and the Edmonton Oilers play against Nashville. And folks, Nashville is just not where they need to be. They fall to Edmonton. Um, Shana, I know you had some strong reactions to what you were seeing from Nashville What's your take on where Nashville is and what they need to do? Do they're celebrating a GM who's been with them since inception, three thousand games, but Jesus is is yeah. is this? Are they in the direction they need to be? No, like it. I I just <laughs> some, like Poyle has like years. Everyone's like, oh my god, look at David Poyle, and then the other years, it's like, oh my god, what are we doing here? It just feels like 
I like their moves this offseason. I like the addition of Niederreiter. I like the addition of McDonough. And it was players who were going to be very good right now and the future is going to suck. But some teams like Calgary's doing that too. Like if that's what you have to do and you have a couple good years, go for it. Like go all out for those couple years. And I thought they'd be better than they are. And I don't think Soros has been perfect either. But I just look at them and I'm like, there are amazing players and then there's a lot of everybody else. And it just feels like they need to be doing a bit more than they are. It's a really shitty start for them. And obviously, like, they're a team that we had in the mix. So there's still time, without a doubt, to fix it. But they need to figure out a way to win games when Saros isn't perfect. And I don't think that they're a good enough team for that still. Like, they need Yossi to be, like, dragging them. They need Forsberg to be dragging them. And, like, the Oilers are another team, too, that it's like they've been disappointing at times. Connor McDavid's doing everything. He's, like, a goal scorer now, too. He's not just an assist machine. They need someone on Nashville to do that. I guess Yossi has to score like 120 points this year for them to have like a legit shot. Well, friends, again, we can't hit all the games because there were 420 million of them <laughs> all on one night. But those were the ones that caught our attention. Um, we are recording before Wednesday's games. There'll be two matchups. We have to mention them because what are we a show if we don't mention the Toronto Maple Leafs? So they'll be playing the Flyers. Um, but then there are four games on Thursday. I'm going to just rattle off these matchups real quick. And each of you just... Uh, Pick which game you're curious about. You don't need to explain it, but just pick each game and we'll break these down in our, our next show. The four games on Thursday are Carolina, Tampa Bay, Rangers at Boston, Edmonton and the Devils, and Seattle at Minnesota. Sarah, without explanation, which of these four games are you going to be watching? Rangers at Boston. Excellent. Shana? I want to see Edmonton, New Jersey. I want to see Jack Hughes versus Connor McDavid. And I will obviously be at Seattle at Minnesota. So that's the one I'm going to be watching. Um, we are also, next time we talk to you, we're going to be talking about um, this whole process of NHL games in Europe. Uh, we've got Colorado and Columbus slated to play a couple games in Finland this weekend. So we'll be coming back at that. But uh, we have to spend time, y'all, on some of the best hockey content that there is. You've heard us tease it. You've heard us mention it. We can't live without it because it should pervade every moment of your existence. The newest version of the NHL style rankings are out. Uh, Shayna, what was your favorite look from this the episode? The issue comes out every two weeks from this version of the style rankings. Um, Joseph deserves a ton of credit. That green suit, gorgeous. Um, but it's it's Keandre Miller for me. Like he he crushes it always. It's the accessories. It's the the whole vibe. The beard. Can we talk about the cut of the beard? 100%. Yeah, it's everything. The details that he 100%. puts into his hair. It's the bold choices that he'll do. It's you know like the headphones will match the look. The sunglasses, the hats. The it's the whole look. He looks so put together and so confident. And I love that for him. This is like. How many people will be like, it's an original 16. You can't have fun with your fashion. Or you're a younger player in the league. Wait till you've like been a little more seasoned. He's like, nope, I'm just going to come out crushing it every week. And he does. I wish I could disagree and have another pick, but Andre is just immaculate. I mean, the beard, the hair, the color scheme, the glasses, the and like, you know you have it going on when like the energy of your own personal vibe comes through the photo. It's not just how you look. It's like you are totally giving off a specific feeling and genre. Sarah, what was your favorite part of putting together this edition of the style rankings? Yeah, he might be giving Hank. I might say that because he knows he has it. It's like New York class. He's whispering. He doesn't have to scream. He doesn't have to wear the hologram. No, no shade, no tea to line A, but he does... 
I do like the gimmicky things, and I, I think that's genuinely who he is, but that's not who Keandre is, and I love Keandre. I appreciate both of them. Um, I do think it's hilarious that Zadorov came after me, and he was like, she has no style. He was being polite <laughs> at first and was like, everybody has different style, but I have not put him in the rankings for the past few ones, I guess, because he is very tall, and he needs needed to get a tailor that knew that and knew how to dress him but he finally did and he looks outstanding like like the concept was there but i just couldn't do it it wasn't he wasn't just showing ankle he was showing calf i'm like i can't i can't have this in my style rankings but he called me out for good reason i took a look at his last few outfits and they're great so you guys can check them out um i know we talk about this so much it's like when you say a word so much of the concept, like you, you don't even remember what it is, like the NHL style rankings. I'm like, okay, that's that's my thing. <laughs> I, I have a question, Sarah, and I want uh, Aaron Portsline put out, a friend of the pod, um, put out an article on Patrick Liney that includes some some investigation into his fashion there too. But when you're Patrick Liney and you're, it's a very specific thing he's got going on, it's a lot, but can it be too much because it's happening all the time? What is your style fashionista take on that, Sarah? No, I think, he, you can tell that he's doing it because like he has so much fun with it and he wants to. I think if it's, I mean, somebody who's losing a bet or something or just somebody that's like trying to, I don't know, trying too hard, then it gets to be too much. But it's just like we said with Keandre, it's like the vibe. A lot of the times when a guy looks comfortable and he's smiling or doing like peace sign like Keandre, I'm like, it's that's, you can tell he's enjoying this and is passionate about it and line a definitely gives that off and doesn't change who he is love that for him awesome well friends we end every episode with everyone's favorite game especially my husband who just loves every <laughs> mention of a curse word we can get into a show and that is fuck mary kill we had a take on this earlier this week, but the official NHL three stars of the week did come out. So that's what we're going to go after here. Shayna, I'm going to have you go first. Fuck, Mary kill NHL's three stars. And they are David Pasternak, Artemi Panarin, and Connor McDavid. Go. This is such a tough one. I'm going to marry Connor McDavid because I, I think that we all are going to get bored of how good he is. Like, we do with Sidney Crosby, and I just love the way that he's taking over games some more. Like, it's early in the season. He doesn't care. It's not like he just comes alive in the playoffs, and I like how much he's scoring his own goals and just everything about it. I can't believe someone in, like, the hockey gods literally went, we're going to take the best player in the world and put it on the worst team, and any time that there's a shred of hope, we're going to take it away and just go, how can McDavid fix it? So I'm loving this challenge for him. He's really rising to the occasion, <laughs> so I'll marry that. Um, this is so tough. I'm going to, I married Poshnok last time, so I'm going to kill him by process of elimination because I love him, but I'm going to fuck Panarin because I, I think that it's, it's a nice bounce back for him. I really like how he looks at five on five, and I like that there are shifts that you just see him. He has like a little more pop than he did like all of last year, it feels like. I love watching him possess the puck. I love watching him outmuscle opponents, and it's not just the passing, the scoring that's so exciting for me watching him. It's just the engagement on every shift that is like everything that we know about him. He's so evasive. He's so smart. And I think we forget about like just how strong he is on the puck. So I will fuck that because I think it's very fun and exciting. Sarah, Connor McDavid, Artemi Panarin, David Pasternak, fuck, Mary kill. Yeah, you literally said all there is to say. We're marrying pasta, fucking McDavid, killing Panarin, no notes. Wow. Then I'm just going to give my takes. Let's see what I'm going to do here. I'm going to... <laughs> 
we hate the Oilers. I'm going to kill Connor McDavid just because <laughs> somebody had to. <laughs> somebody had to. Um, I'm going to marry Panarin, and this is pastas pastas on this spectrum too. But like, I, again, I like the vibe, like the vibe that's coming in addition to the excellent hockey that we're seeing. So I'm here for that. Um, I like that he stood up for some things that aren't necessarily popular and uh, takes a stand there. So we're going to give him a shout out for that. Seems like a worthwhile partner to have around. And pasta is just fun. And also, I mean, when your nickname's pasta and you are just hilarious, like, I'm here for it. Good fashion. So we'll fuck pasta or not. Those are my choices. End scene. All right. Pasta's helmet fell off last night and he just had the like most perfect hair of all time. I'm like, how does this look like this in the middle of a game? I know. It's it, Adam Larson has the same thing. Adam Larson, I think, has the best hair on the Seattle Kraken. Don't come for me. That's my decision. <laughs> All right, friends, did we miss anything? Well, there's two and many things to keep in mind because the NHL scheduling is well, that's true. incredible. So. That's true. That is true. NHL just likes to see our brains explode with 8,000 games. It wasn't even that bad last night because the timing was, they were staggered pretty well, but it was still just when you look at the fact that Sunday had no games, basically. Monday had no games. Wednesday has no games. Friday has literally one night game. One day game, one night game. That's it. And we're like, all right, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, let's just overload everybody. Grow the game, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. Well, um, as a reminder, and you saw it on our Twitter, uh, don't forget that we have Too Many Men merch. We have Fuck, Mary Kill merch. We have Pro Torts Pod merch. We have all kinds of great stuff for you. You can check that out. Uh, the link is on our website, TooManyMenPod.com. It's also on our Twitter, which you should be following if you aren't already, at two underscore much underscore man. We are thrilled to be coming at you twice a week. We drop our episodes on Tuesday and Thursday with anything we want to talk about unless you give us topics or FMK challenges. So keep sending those in. And until we talk again, do something to make sure that hockey really is for everyone and be kind to one another. Love ya. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.